spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Ascend podcast, me and Chris sit down, record another Observing Our Thought. And in this one, this was literally an Observing Our Thought episode at its best. We rambled our ways down many different varied rabbit holes. We talked about conspiracies, fluoride, UFOs, John F. Kennedy, grounding, time machines, domestication, human evolution, and everything else in between. And I'm going to keep this intro nice short and sweet and just say before we jump with this shitstorm that um i just wanted to put some more focus on our patreon page where you can help us out by supporting the podcast and if any of these conversations do add value in your life it would be amazing if you could consider helping the podcast go to that next level we really want to keep bringing you the best of the podcast we can and with your help and support for our Patreon page, we'll be able to do more and more in-person conversations. And would be would even also love to add a video function to these conversations too. And just in general, give us more financial backing to really help ramp up this mission and ramp up the podcast. And the power really is in your hands. We live in a time now where you have the ability and power to support and put your attention in the areas what you want to see more of and we as you know we've never bombarded you with shitty advertisements or shitty products like everyone else is doing we see enough shitty advertisements in our day-to-day life and this is not the place for that this is a place for you to come that is free of all of that and also in return there is also a private patreon page and community where you will gain access to lots more bonus conversations and rants from the podcast and no matter what amount that you choose to support the podcast you will gain access to all of them bonus conversations and patreon even has a download function just like you download these episodes you can also do the same with the patreon bonuses and listen to them while you're out and about and we've also just added a new reward to the patreon page as well to give you the ability to ask questions that you want to ask and what we're going to do is we're going to start asking and discussing these questions on the up and coming observing our thoughts episodes so if this does tickle your fancy and you want some questions answered by us and we'll try and discuss them please go to www.patreon/send and support the podcast so anyway let's dive deep into this one this week's conversation enjoy I was going to say, should we start with um? Do you want to? Not? Yeah, I, that might set her up. That's how I was thinking that, screw that. <laughs> Keep all this in, screw that. Fuck the, fuck the um. <laughs> <laughs> that arm is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Load of bullshit. So anyway, another episode of Observing Our Thoughts. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> so anyway, something that I, a question I want to bring to you and something that's actually been on my mind. Right. Um... This is a bit of a diff- different sort of question. You, you're definitely not going to be expecting this. Mm-hmm. But lately, I've been, um, I've been going sort of 
so a few a few years back, I was going down the rabbit hole of looking into um, a lot of different conspiracies, and then I went through a period where, like the the, the deeper conspiracies, like nine eleven, UFOs, things like that, mm-hmm. all these different conspiracies. And um, at the minute, and then then I went through a period where I stopped doing that for a certain amount of time because mm-hmm. I think sometimes within that conversation, it can be too can become too much. There's times for it, and there's times not for it. That's what I, that's what I feel anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there any conspiracies, right? That you think's a fact that someone else, sorry, that a lot of people in the world would think's not a fact. Well, is there any conspiracies that I? Or is there any conspiracies that you? I wouldn't say you think it's a fact because I don't think there's any. There's, I don't. I, in general, I think there's flaws in everything. <laughs> but mm. is there anything that you find? Is there any conspiracies that you find a lot of truth in? That's probably angled a bit better. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely loads of conspiracies throughout the years. What's the main conspiracy in your life that's actually sort of that's sort of pulled on something and you've you've started doing you've done the most research in? It's JFK. I've just JFK. I've did more research into JFK than any other conspiracy, and that is solely on the on the premise that I I couldn't believe how. Someone with so much power, someone who could take them out of the war in Vietnam, someone who was like so well loved, like obviously externally, not internally when it's talking about the presidency. I mean, inside, like he wanted to disband the CIA, expose the FBI. So, obviously, in that context, it's you kind of actually can understand how it was like, yeah, we want to take this guy out from the inside, yeah, but externally, he was loved so. Then you get onto the onto the assassin himself, who used to spend time in in Russia and Soviet Union, and he came back to the USA. So you think there were so many different aspects to that. I mean, it was so. Was, here's a question from that one. Ask you as well. So within that, within that, I don't think it was a lone gunman. That's by that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So within that as well. Um, what was the within that conspiracy? What was the main things that was sort of making you think that this is sort of there's something up here? Uh, there was just loads like the angle of where the bullet hit him, um, the dis, the, um, how accurate were the shots? Where like a marksman couldn't make them exact same shots. Yeah, I mean, like reloading the guns, like the bullet, um, the difference in time between the bullets. It wasn't quick enough to like yeah. reload and then shoot, and like the rifle he was using was an old-fashioned rifle with a, like a longer um, reload. So there was just so many like, um, what's the word? Was that one, was that was John F. Kennedy? That um, was that one of the first conspiracies that sort was that one of the first things that started pulling you in an alternate thinking, or was there many things? Well, to be honest, um, I didn't really have that much outside of a, the box where I was like looking at like. Like Illuminati or the New World Order or anything yeah. like that. It was nothing like really drew us in. I mean, my friend he actually introduced us to this uh, the, just the Joe Rogan video where he actually the War Machine. Yeah, the War Machine video. That's yeah, a brilliant video. That and um, I looked at it and I was watching it. So and much then, truth in that. Yeah, it was Joe Rogan talking about um, Oliver Stone's JFK movie, and I was like, and he says like when all when Joe Rogan first watched it, he said like, oh that's that's just a lot of bullshit, but then. You start the, in, right? Yeah, the more you actually looked into it, 
the more you actually see how the government was lying to you and then you find out a bit more truth. I mean, when I, and when I started first watched the Oliver Stone movie GFK after that, shortly after that, I just realised there was there's so much out there which I've been fed and I don't know what's actually truth no more. And I'm sure some people can resonate with that when it doesn't have to be GFK it might not it could even just be fluoride in the water or even like what colour um or what colours on your toothpaste, you know when they actually say like because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's two different things about that, isn't there? What colours on your toothpaste? Because they say like if you've got black and it means like it's all like is it all natural chemical? I'm not too sure I've never heard of this. Yeah, well um there's a colour on your toothpaste and it's some people say it's just for the marketing um purposes so where they know where to box them up and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But other people say that's to show you how many chemicals or how altered it is. So if it's green, it's been completely altered. Um, sorry, completely clear. But then if it's black, it's been completely. It's filled with chemicals. I've never heard and that. Yeah, before. it's it's red means something else, and there's a blue one as well. I've never heard that before. So um, you've never heard that before. I thought you would have actually. Heard about fluoride in toothpaste? Like obviously, because I used a I use a fluoride-free toothpaste anyway. But I've heard about that mm. before, because obviously I've known I've, that was one of the. That's one of the obviously one of the uh, conspiracy that I got pulled into as well was the, the about the fluoride in the water and stuff like that. Mm. And obviously then there's loads of fluoride in toothpaste and stuff like that. And people say it doesn't go in your mouth, but then the day like are you hundred percent certain that when you're brushing your teeth, the, it's like there's not pe- a couple of that's happening into your body. Yeah, it's like people when people say like um, when people rub cocaine on the gums, it still gets in the bloodstream. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, if you're just brushing your teeth, that's exactly the same. It's just getting in your bl- in your um, bloodstream somehow. But um, like I said, I, like you asked me a good question there, Dan. Like I would ask you a similar question. Like, what conspiracy really kickstarted you, or what conspiracy have you actually questioned, and you thought is God's honest truth compared to like, like all the world would think different? Yeah. I wouldn't say all the all the world. I know you. I know it's just the way you frame the question, but I wouldn't yeah, say yeah. all the world. But like the majority, like the sort of the yeah. the bog standard Joe, especially at the time as well when I started looking into a lot of alternative information. When I was looking at that time in my life, when I was looking around at me, there wasn't many people who were in my proximity or who I was associating with. No matter what conspiracy was, that wasn't even open to mm. that. They were just head down behind the hedge, just sort of getting on with life, not really sort of looking up above the hedge, as I see it. But for me, there was many. There was um, nine eleven was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. I remember the first day that we were in school. It's crazy saying that, isn't it? We were in school. Yeah. We were walking in, coming back from uh, comprehensive school, um, which is secondary school, and um, I remember walking in and seeing that in the news. And at that time as well, obviously, I didn't really know the the sort of essence behind that conversation. And then I think it was about maybe about six months after that, or a year after that. I started sort of digging into that a little bit, and that's when the the psychological triggers in my mind started thinking, "Oh, there's something. There's definitely something up here. It's definitely something up here." Mm-hmm. And I watched the documentary "Loose Change." Can you remember that? Oh yes, yeah. That was a good documentary. I think that was a young young uh, teenager who did that, wasn't it? But yeah. That was an eye opener as well, and then obviously so much from then. But one of the biggest um, was loads of conspiracies for me. Lo- honestly, loads. Egyptian pyramids, ancient history, everything. But one of the biggest mm-hmm. ones for me is. And this is I've actually gone back to this. This is why this is why I asked you this question because this is a um, something a thought that's been on my mind lately is the UFO conversation, aliens. Because when I was, I remember I, I actually 
I think I, when I was younger, I think I was mean about 13, 14, 15, I binge watched a series called um, Ancient Aliens. Mm. So basically it was these three guys and they were, just went around the world and they were just sort of um, trying to sort of re, re, recollect. Is that recollect? recollect oh, recollect. Recollect yeah. sort of um, stories and sort of um, eyewitness account, accounts of sort of people who've viewed, uh, seen UFOs and things like that. So Whoa. that straight away was, and they were coming from multiple different a- angles all over the place, like military bases and stuff like that. And um, that was a, that was a huge sort of um, teaser for me to get into that world. And That's then I cool. started um, I, from that as well, though. Which, at that time in my life, which I remember seeing it. Um, I don't. Can you remember this? The Phoenix Light. Phoenix Light. Can you remember that or not? So mm. this is. So if anyone, if you should look, at, you should look up this. So you just go on YouTube and just type in Phoenix Light. If anyone else wants to do, they can as well. But basically, it was a um, supposedly. I mean, there's no, no one knows for certain. There's obviously, a lot of stuff quite shady in the UFO, UFO movement. But this is a re- really good bit of evidence. But basically, there was a, there was a uh, footage of a UFO, and there's video footage of this as well. Mm. Um, and people say that I went to the county that this craft was something like um, a, two like two football fields or something like that in the sky, and it was silent moved swiftly no sound but i think there's about in this town in phoenix i think there was about two thousand three thousand eyewitness accounts all people seeing that they're seeing it wow but then what the interesting thing is the government at that time came out and says there's no they put out like a statement and they say oh it's just this it's just that they said it was um air balloons or something like that air balloons and everyone's just if you look at the footage you just you can know straight away that's not air balloons you know what I mean <laughs> but that was a big one for me and then I seen that um, there's another interesting footage as well of the, um you should check this one out this is a really interesting one this is from this is actually very good footage as well and this was at the Dome of Rock in Jerusalem mm. which but I actually looked into the Dome of Rock and in the Dome of Rock in Jerusalem is a very sort of religious place so anyway what happened was was um, three different eyewitness accounts from mm-hmm. three different perspectives. And it was above the Dome of Rock, and this there was a U, literally UFO hovering above the Dome of Rock, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it just goes like that. You hear Whoa. the noise and it just goes, and the light just fires up, and then the cameras go to the top of the footage, and there's a tri- big triangle where it's went up the top. That's amazing. That, but then you've got to ask the question: If that is real, then why is why is a UFO sort of beaming a light over the top of, a, of sort of a, a religious a religious or sort of ancient megalith structure? So that was an interesting one as well, and that's from free. That's from free. I um, I went to count for that, and then another interesting guy as well who I looked into as well was Bob Lazar, and I've told you about him before as well. Yeah, but this yeah. is a really interesting one for me because at that time I was still very skeptical when I was in the UFO movement, but then I came across Bob Lazar, and he was a Formula area form, former Area Fifty One worker. But what was interesting about his story is that at that time when he was working there, he he was talking about how. In, within Area 51, there were not only uh, engineering secret um, secret secret um, jets and secret uh, new military weapons and things like that, but they were actually back engineering UFO technology. Mm. And another thing that's very interesting about his story is that he, he was actually his. The, so when he, when he came out, he came uh, in at the time. I think it was this was in the maybe in the 60s or 50s. I can't remember what it was. It might be. I'm not too sure when it was anyway. But anyway, when he came out. At that time, the government tried to say that he never worked for them. Wow. They, tried, they, they completely wiped off the system, everything, all his data of him working for them. But he still had his pay slips and his tax statements of getting paid from them. 
So that straight away proved that that straight away to me, seeing if they're trying to cover something up like that, there's definitely something to it. So it made me even look at him even more. So that's a mistake on their behalf. Yeah, definitely. And then I actually found out that he actually got the try. He was he the, and he has his hospital reports to show this as well that he actually mm. got rammed off the road and someone tried to kill him. Two blacked out cars drove up on the side of the road and tried to run him off the road. Well, in the thought he was dead and left him for dead, but he re- recovered. That's amazing, isn't that man? So that's a, that's a fascinating one. And but from that, he was at that time he was. I can't remember what the. He he. But the funny thing is, he actually had all other witness reports of people who he took. So see, if I was in Area Fifty One, and I would say to you, come and look at this. Like he knew the test times of when they were testing the um, the back engineering the UFOs, mm-hmm. and he took along a friend to a, to a, to a, to a point like a, um, a viewing point where he knew that he could sneak him in. And he showed his friend, and he's, there's also videos on YouTube of his friend saying that, yeah, he took us along, which he would have got really wrong for at the time because he had, like, high clearance. Mm-hmm. But his friend didn't. It was just, like, me bringing you along to sort of um, to some sort of secret sort of Freemason camp. <laughs> saying, look at this, look at this. <laughs> but that's what, he, that's what he did at the time. So it was a witness account of him. So that sort of stemmed into that. Yeah. But I know it's a long-winded point. No, no, I keep going. But there's another interesting point. This is what I'm getting back into now. And we touched, I touched on this on the last podcast slightly. Mm-hmm. Um... Zachary Stitchin and this and there's a lot of people say that he's he's crazy and things like that and a lot of things that I've looked at a lot of research that he says and I don't agree with a lot of stuff but there's certain stuff that's very interesting to me mm. and um, he he tried to depict the um, the Sumerian tablets I don't know if you've ever seen the Sumerian tablets but they're literally like, literally it's like some old Transformers they're literally yeah. like a big silver plaque if you type in the Sumerian tablets on YouTube you'll see them like a big plaque but what's interesting about that story is, is that on these tablets right he with in the last podcast that we talked about you know how we talked about our DNA is being altered and genetically modified yeah. and people have theories like the Sumerians believe that some sort of alien race came down the planet and um, altered our genetics for sort of their purposes people yeah, say definitely. it to mine gold or whatever it was Just I mean just here's something just imagine if we I know us now I mean look at us we do we do genetic test testing on rats and things like that just imagine if you were in a spaceship and you come across a civilization that was humanoid or Sort of not advanced, like literally monkeys. Hmm. You would do genetic testing on them, and, th- and you would you like we do that now. You would do a genetic test, and you would see if you could alter their intelligence. So maybe who knows? Maybe maybe someone did do that to us. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about his work is that he, within these tablets that he was depicting, right? And there's a lot of scientists as well at the minute debating this and sort of talking about, which I think is very fascinating. So on them Sumerian tablets, they had all the planets. All in the correct sizes when they match them up, doing match them up to the, what we what we know understand now about the stars and things like that, and the planets and the mm-hmm. solar system. And they depicted all the the sizes correctly. And this was six thousand years ago, and this is when a civilization was meant to be sort of uh, hunter gatherer primitive. So they depicted. So bear in mind, they predicted pr- pr- predicted all the, the correct sizes. So you've got to ask the question: How did they do that? Did, were they more advanced? That's there's loads of questions from that, but I'm not going to go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, one interesting thing is that. How many? I mean, I'm just, I probably should know this, but I don't. How many uh, planets are in the solar system? Do you know that? <laughs> we should probably nine? know that. You know? Nine, nine, no, yeah. there's more than nine. I think is um, is it twelve or eleven? Someone's going to be laughing their heads off. Yeah. It's something. It's going to be shouting their heads off. On the... uh, <laughs> have a, have look this. Quickly look this up. <laughs> We've got to look this up. <laughs> I'm going to say twelve. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm going to say nine. I'm going to say twelve or eleven. <laughs> In our solar system, eight, eight, eight planets, eight. So anyway, uh, uh, nine including Pluto, nine including Pluto, right? So if there's nine including Pluto, 
in our solar system on these tablets that the Sumerians had. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> on on these ta- on these tablets that the Sumerians had, the, um, there was also another planet, like a tenth planet, that they called uh, Nibiru, planet Nibiru. So a lot of people call that planet X now. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting because they said that there was another planet there. And for, for years, we, when we taught in school... Obviously, I couldn't remember how many planets there was, but I knew there wasn't a planet called Planet Nibiru. Like, Pluto, I think, was the furthest planet. Mm-hmm. But scientists now, or now, because they're getting, the telescopes and technology is getting better, are seeing that. And there's loads of articles about this, and you can, anyone can research this and have a look. Mm-hmm. But people believe in, and a lot of people are talking about now, how there's a, they can they know that there's another planet just past Pluto. And they couldn't see it because of because of the technology advances. The, the telescopes or something didn't reach that far into space. Yeah. So here's something, right? Have you heard about that or not? I've heard about Planet X. Um, yeah. Um, can I ask you something? Yeah. You know, Planet X was it like any signs of life there or anything? Because like, if it's beyond Pluto, I mean, I've just looked there and I know, I know Pluto had like it was so cold because it's the furthest distance away from the sun. I've just mm-hmm. checked there. Pluto had a minus two hundred and twenty-three degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. We're minus three right now. How can something survive that further away from the sun? Like. Right now, we're in the Goldilocks zone. We're in the complete state, like, not too hot, not too cold. Yeah, yeah. We're absolutely perfect. And there's millions of other planets just like ours out there, but nothing in this solar system. Yeah. Right. That's a good question, that, by the right, way. Right, so why do we think this planet X is something special? What's special about it is that it has a different elliptical orbit. Ah, right. So it has a very different elliptical, elliptical orbit around now. I don't know enough of what the elliptical or elliptical orbit is but a lot of people talk about how so people make the assumption that it has a different elliptical orbit and that's that's the theory that that Zachary Sitchin talked about where he says that because they have a different elliptical orbit time moves quicker on our planet than it does for their planet so oh. th- and that that's what he's talking about how the, their planet moves in their elliptical orbit or their planet actually comes closer to ours so if their planet does come closer to ours, then mm. it would be in the Goldilocks period, and it would be so, so there would be certain periods of their time that wouldn't would wouldn't be would it be cold, but maybe they've they maybe they're more advanced to figure that out. So when their planet moves into the more colder zone, they have technology to to adapt to that. I don't know, but yeah, if their yeah. planet does come in for certain periods, then that's when they can come back into their natural habitat and then play with that. That's what I'm thinking, but that's what people say. Oh, it could be true, man. Here's see, here's something, right? If they have got a different elliptical or, orbit, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say that, let's just paint a picture, right? Let's say that let's they've got it. they've got different different elliptical orbit orbit hours, mm-hmm. and time moves slower for them. So ten thousand. So they let's let's say this as well. Let's put this out there. Let's say they did genetically modify us little monkeys into who we are now in human beings, right? So at that time when they did that, they were more advanced than us. But however, time on our planet moves far faster than it does for theirs because due to their elliptical orbit, right? Mm-hmm. So if that is the case, and let's say, let's put something out there. I'm just putting this out there. This is, this is just me and you having a conversation. Let's say that um, 10,000 years on our planet is one day for them. Right. Would we now, when their planet comes back around, would we now be more advanced than them? That's definitely a possibility. Yeah, definitely a possibility. That's that's a really good talking point. So when they did, so when they did do the pla- when they did sort of see, just, we'll just put this out there. When they did genetically modify us, mm-hmm. they were hoping they were, they forgot to take into consideration that we might become more advanced. So when they come back around now, they're thinking that they've just got these sort of 
I don't know, whatever, living in the, you know what I mean, still, yeah, still yeah. hunting a gatherer or something like that. And we've, we've come back around, we've got these iPhones, and I'm like, what the hell? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna genetically modify us now. <laughs> do, do you think it's weird how we, like, are we based it, like, all on, like, the premise of, like, what other people tell us? Yeah. I mean, like, if we didn't have the internet, right? Like, if we didn't have, like, phones, any outside communication mm-hmm. other than our, like, current, just, like, just local community. Just community, yeah, community. One time it was like that, though, was and we had no like understanding of other planets. Like all we could see is the moon at night and the stars. We had no idea what they were, just gods and that. Like imagine now, like if we go back to that, like that era of living where we don't have any technology, how quickly do you think it would get like say we just say we'd lost all of our technology just right now, right this minute, mm-hmm. just all vanished. Mm-hmm. And we all had to go back to work in communities. Right? How long do you think it would take before we start resu- talking about like planets being gods again. Oh, it's hard to say that because now I think obviously now we, everyone has a point of has I, a I point think, of. Every, I think after of, about three generations, right? Mm-hmm. I think when like our children will not get used to like technology or anything like that. There'll be nothing like that for them, and their children. And then when our generation starts to die, they'd start to just like be worshiping like the sun for heat and like the sun will be a god yeah. again and like like the moon will be a god like the wet the rain will be a god or there could just be one god like in Christianity but nevertheless at the end of it we'd just be as primitive as we were back then yeah, like as that. we it's are good, now it's a good thought for, it's a really good thought for you that obviously I don't know how long it would take to do that because you would for a while there would be a point of reference within like society and, and civilization would be like a point of reference wouldn't the way you you knew what you had before but it's interesting to think how long would that take but then if, again if you weren't able to get the technology how long would that take for them to go back and start saying that start saying that the, the sun's a, the sun the sun is a god the stars are a god the reason why i'm saying this is because you often bring up like the concept of the aztecs and that with their far advanced technology you mean the anunnaki? so what i'm saying is is imagine do you mean the anunnaki yeah yeah Right, um, any civilization really which had a, a far deeper understanding of the universe than um, previous or after civilizations. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not but, sure about the Aztecs if they but, were or not. Um, but at the sense of it, like take away their technology, they could have like far reaches of like they could have their own version of the internet. You know what I mean? They could have their own communication system, like might even be better than the internet, far beyond it. I mean the Egyptians. Like they were f- very far technologically advanced. You take away all them, all their um, technology, and how long would it be before their generation start just believing gods again? Well, if you th- look at the look at the story that Graham Hancock paints, paints about how the thing is, what I'm trying to say is like I'm saying like they've had they've had the understanding, but all these civilizations have eventually lost all their technology. So what I'm thinking is, are we eventually going to lose our technology and are we going to be left, our fa- our our generations, our future generations, are they, are they going to be the ones worshipping stars while we're still trying to... And then the, there might be the odd crackpot going, you know what, guys? There was like radio waves in the sky. There was there was so many things and everyone's Everyone like... Everyone was walking around yeah, with these iPads yeah. and when, stuff. Obviously, where are them now? Because we believe in the big yellow thing in the sky. Well, to a certain degree, though, is that... I mean, that could be possibly what we're doing with with the pyramids now like Graham Hancock talks about this he says that in ancient civilization like like we they talk about how 
certain civilizations in the past were a lot more advanced than than, than we are led to believe now. Mm. And they maybe have had, I mean, that might not be the extent of the level of technology capability that we're at, but it might have been, who knows, it could have been something a little bit more advanced, but the remnants of that wouldn't wouldn't be there anymore. If a natural disaster came along the planet and wiped out a whole civilization, like now on the planet, if a, civiliz- if a, if a meteorite come and hit the planet and wiped out every single civilization, we're only, maybe only left it, uh, 100 people 100 select people or something like that mm-hmm. that te- that the, that's when the technology might be, become lost and then mm. how how long would that take to fade out the technology but it just it means like everything what we've learned so far like everything about the solar system like the vastness of the universe the fact that there's more s- stars in the in um, in the universe than there is grains of sand on earth I mean the fact that we're even we can even contemplate that we can ask some of the like the largest questions in the universe and we can get our answers instantly on our phone like how much of this do we take for granted than what our ancestors had we had we've got so much potential now for the course of right now we should be the tipping point where because we're in the here's something interesting because we're in the longest era of peace right now than there ever has been on on planet earth we've since humans since known history anyway since known history i mean we could just destroy this technology in an instant this whole existence can be destroyed but we have to be the tipping point now where we turn all this beautiful technology into the next thing we need to be the evolve we need to evolve now with the technology to the aspect of like respecting it to the point where we can like I was going to say merge with it but I kind of think we're already merging with it in the aspect of like as soon as you wake up people look at the screens yeah that's a, basically people it's embedded in who we yeah, are now yeah technically it is because we need this technology right now because it is the knowledge it is our it's basically it's an extra brain that we've got and the vast and this vastness what of knowledge what it receives and gives us I mean, it, obviously, if you take it all away, it means nothing. We're going to have to go back to survival mode with our knives and just hunt, e- hunt each other, or like hunt anyone who stops us. But even even in a sense, oh, God, I'm to, rambling on. No, no, it's a good point. It's a really good point. But just here's here's I've got a few points to say. But one point is, if you, a knife is technology as well, yeah, people it is, forget yeah. that. Like people even say as well that to a certain degree, fire is sort of technology. So it seems to be that civilizations have always had even if you're a hunter-gatherer you still have some sort of form of technology but I still think though I mean I don't know I don't I, I don't know that is a question I ask, ask myself all the time like what you're just saying there is there going to be a tip and balance because I'm ask, I've asked a question a few times lately in my head is like civilizations of the past it's clear to me that there were might not 100% being technology advanced to as we are now with, mm. in terms of quote-unquote normal technology but like sort of technology in, in in the sense of consciousness and sort of all states of consciousness, like they were, they were maybe sort of tapping into some sort of level of sort of God, I don't even know how to how to say it really, but some level of mind that we don't we, we can't we, operate we in. can't operate in or we don't understand. Maybe we've lost touch with that or something like that. Mm. But I still think there's good, there's a tip and balance like that. We know now in society there's a resurgence of psychedelics, there's a resurgence of meditation, there's a resurgence of all these different conscious technologies out there. Mm-hmm. But as well, technology still plummeting in the other direction and, and sort of neglecting that more organic route. And I'm I'm noticing that. But I, is that going to be our downfall? Are we going to become too technologically advanced? And and 
outweigh the balance of the more organic route, the more natural route. I presume, yeah. Here's something as well. This is a, this is a um, this is a actually interesting point as well that I want to see as well because something I noticed lately and one of my observed me thoughts actually as well was um, so I went away in a log cabin, right? And this log cabin was in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of wo- in the middle of the woods. It was literally just surrounded by woods. Mm. And when I, when I was there, I made the most of it, and I was walking in the woods bare feet, bare, barefoot. And that's one aspect that I think us and we actually we've actually lost touch with because we've we've either become domesticated or something like that. Yeah. But the aspect of grounding ourselves and walking walking our bare feet feet on nature. And I know a lot of people, right? I know a lot of people because I've laughed my head there because I was—I even felt the old sort of conditioning in my mind saying, "Walking barefoot, walking barefoot, you're a tramp." <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think because and it's not—I think a lot of people because when a lot of people hear that 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 um, point, bare, walking barefoot and grounding in the the, the the nature or woods or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like they think it's some sort of. Um, like hippie, like you know what I mean. Get go get your bare feet out, boys. Yeah, it's still got a stigma to it, doesn't you know what it? I mean? It's got like a bit of a stigma, but there is there is a lot to it, though. I mean, even if you don't even have to go down the sort of the I, in old British costume, like the fact that if you used to show your bare feet, it was a sign of an insult as well. Yeah, well, here's something as well, though. Actually, so I was a, I was a, you know when I went away on holiday with James mm-hmm. last year, and uh, we went away, and we were walking around barefoot at the time. Obviously, when you're, you know you're in a hotter, a hotter climate and you're sort of in the holiday mode and you're just walking around with your bare feet and stuff and being in the sea, but I don't even think we brought our shoes out with us. We we're just bare, we we're just bare feet, barefoot, and we walked in. I walk, actually walked into a supermarket and we got kicked out. Did they wouldn't let us go in barefoot, and I was like, I was no way. I'm, they're not getting my cut air custom. But it's crazy. I think it's actually crazy that it's stigmatized to a certain degree that you can't even walk. In somewhere with barefoot, you can't even do it with your top off as well. It was like sometimes when you have your top off and you walk into a supermarket or something like that. There's, yeah. there's something like even though every single human being on the planet has got the same sort of, we've all got the same things. Mm. Like our bodies biologically are all the same. It's classes. But like, there's something stigmatized about yeah. the fact of, oh look at your dirty feet, like you're barefoot. That's what I mean. It's classed as like um, unhygienic and dirty, isn't it? Because like, you're walking along pavements, but then again, like you, it's the same thing with your hands. You're touching like you're touching things with your hands constantly, so your hands are basically just the same as your feet. I mean, but you know when we were touching before, actually, I want to say something before the end. It was a question like I, I was thinking about. You know when we're talking about conspiracies and stuff like that, and it kind of feels like we're the, the first generation that's really like asking the bigger questions and ask really looking at like like exposing the truth, but. I obviously did a bit of like research and I found out um, you know when everyone thought the world was flat and they were telling Christopher Columbus if he was like if you travel across there you're just going to like fall off the edge of the earth what was that wait the two seconds I know you wait if you want to go there what, can you remember the song though what, the song that was always on always on um, UK TV and it was said Christopher Columbus he thought the world was round well this is but true the whole whole world can you remember that no <laughs> well what was that song again? It's interesting, but that was a lie. Because um, he didn't think the world was round. People said he did, but he didn't. Is that um, what the song said, though, didn't it? The song said I think that, the song, it? Yeah, something I think the song was something like that, actually. But um, he actually thought the the world was pear-shaped. Really? Aye, and um, they actually wanted him to prove him wrong. So they wanted him, just because they thought he was a lunatic. So they wanted him to just fall off the edge of the earth. But he, instead, he found obviously America and it was interesting because 
it, that to me was like when I actually like analysed that a bit more because I was fascinated by that I was analysing I was thinking they've actually they were actually um, he was actually one of the first people like just like like everyone trying to expose the truth so all throughout history there's been people who's been trying to expose the truth so what makes us any different than people of the past like Hysterokonlis who was yeah. just trying to like I mean obviously we've got the internet now we've got more of a voice but truthfully we're exactly the same I think there's always been there's always been people though that have spoke out of the past but if we look back now though the people who spoke out of the past are more recognisable in history now like there's more people do, there's more people doing it now because it seems to be more cool mm. that's what I'm thinking like at a time if the people that you remember in history are the people who who, who thought differently because obviously society at that time was more manufactured around this is how it is and that's it like nobody like we didn't have we haven't got access to the internet like we've got now where you can sort of that the whole you can meet other people around the world and who are, who are also thinking the way that you're thinking even if in your own community mm. there's like a thousand people around you and you're the only one who's awake and everyone else is looking at you like you're sort of crazy talking about conspiracy theories talking about spirituality what it is mm-hmm. but in the past they couldn't do that they would, he would still only be the one person in the community because his world and his reality was smaller than what our realities are now because you know you can go on the internet now and your reality is much bigger so it feeds you feeds something in your mind to sing nah fuck him yeah. you know what I mean no way no more letting him sort of because it's everyone else is more and more people are, are connecting and coming together and exposing their truth and thinking oh here we go here we go here we go here it is that's what that's what I feel that's a really good point actually man that's a really good point do you know before as well when I was talking about um, ground as well because I want to touch on this yeah but I want to add a bit more substance to that because I was actually thinking about that conversation of grounding and if you think about right now, day-to-day life now, we constantly are wearing rubber shoes all the time. You drive, you drive, me and you both drive our cars and you, in a, you, you, when your feet never touch the ground, barely touch the ground, you're constantly always like having a protective layer from you in the earth, you and Mother Earth. But if you think about um, ancient tribes in the past, they were always connected to the ground, to the air, uh, to the earth. Mm. Even a sense of when they were sleeping at night. The, 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 this, this is an interesting theory about the ground and the grounding conversation. A bit of research that I've done is that so in the past when tribes used to sleep, they slept on the on the lower level. Mm-hmm. So when we so when me and you sleep, we sleep higher up. So even now, you know, cities now in busy cities and towns like London and New York or wherever it is, they have to build big sky, loads of big skyscrapers, mm-hmm. and obviously that has been for years, but them are getting constantly getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and people are just constantly just moving further away from the earth all the time and that and to me I know like even just um, that them three days of me going in the woods and every single day for like three or four hours a day even though it was absolutely freezing cold walking barefoot in the woods when I went hiking mm-hmm. even that sense of me reconnecting back to that I know that we're losing something by us not doing that because I know this might sound woo-wee it doesn't have to go here someone just has to go outside and just ask themselves when was the last time you went out in nature and walked on bare feet because I ask myself that all the time to try and put yourself back in check yeah but if you just go and put your bare feet on the ground and just do it for a couple of hours there's there's no doubt to me that you, you do start feeling better and you start feeling more connected back to whatever it is but if you, if you want to go the woo-wee route and some more, more sort of some stuff that I've looked into if you think about the universe, right, the universe is made up of atoms. Everything in the universe is made up of atoms. Like that chair, that table, the wall, everything's made up of atoms. Mm-hmm. But we're also made of atoms, so the earth is also made of atoms. So we are electric magnetic, uh, electromagnetic beings. Yeah. And the earth 
is also on, operating on a frequency and the earth has a frequency and it's like a sort of a gigantic battery so there's no there's no doubt that when you do step in the earth there's some sort of whatever you want to call it there's some sort of con- scientific connection that happens between us and mm-hmm. the earth and there's some sort of frequency that comes from that I know there is yeah I completely agree Dan and I think that's one of a lot of the things on which talk in the, which they talk about in the law of attraction is when people are resonating on the same frequency they can attract things because like um, thoughts become things Thought, thoughts themselves become emotions emotions themselves can become like a frequency or a vibration that vibration will attract whatever that else is that on that frequency or vibration so there's different frequencies that are meant to put you in a better spirits and stuff like that so I'm thinking if we all listen to that that same frequency or if we're on that same frequency then we're all going to be pulsating that same good feeling vibration as well and I think if we're actually touching on this like because I actually wrote a question on here I mean this is one of the things I actually want to bring up on one of my uh, yeah because I was thinking, this was one of my thoughts. Is the frequency on human and universal level, like, how do we know that that we're on that right frequency? How do we know we're on that right level? So, how do you know, right? The more you've been disconnected from Earth, I'm going to use the Earth question. Mm. Like, you've been using laptops, you've been sleeping upstairs. Say you've been wearing shoes, like, when you're walking, like, you're wearing your clothes instead of like your bare feet and stuff like that like you're you're doing all this to be disconnecting from like your natural source so how do you know like you're in the right frequency as earth Mm -hmm. how do we know this I don't but the only thing that you can go off I mean there might be there is people who explore this there's um, there's a documentary as well I've actually saved this and I'll put this in the show notes as well there's a documentary about this um I was actually thinking about getting him on the podcast as well, but I need to look into it a bit more. Mm. There's a guy who's done a great documentary, talking, like a scientist, talking about the aspect of that, what you've just been saying about how, what what is the correct frequencies and stuff like that, yeah. for when you are walking on the barefoot and stuff like that. I've got a bit more to say on it, by the way. Like, what, I, um, I, I was just going to say... Because I've got a point I want to say as well. Um, to bring it as well a bit to the law of attraction, I mean, if we were all pulsating on the same frequency, same wouldn't we be also having the same type of thought processes and the same thought waves? We would all all be pulsating the same frequency. I mean, if we all, if we were all pulsating up that vibration inside of us, wouldn't we all have the same like thought processes, the same neurological pathways, same same neurological patterns? Wouldn't wouldn't we all be the same if we're all on the exact same frequency? Mm. I, I don't know about I don't know about that, but I'm not too sure about that. But to answer your first question, the only only way that I know without even, I mean, in my in my life now, you can look at all. This is what I've realised that you can look at all this, the, the the scientific data and everything's amazing. Like you can look at all the scientific data. You can you can tell you can tell me a million times. Like I'm, you can tell me a million. I can watch a million studies about seeing how the how the Earth's one gigantic battery, and mm-hmm. we are sort of vibrational beings, and we're sort of gaining this frequency from the earth like scientifically someone can tell me that a million times a million times mm-hmm. but the most important thing is is me actually doing the thing doing the thing itself me actually going on the going on the stepping on the earth with me bare feet and trying it for myself mm-hmm. so I think the only way that we're gonna we, the only way that you're gonna really validate that thing no matter how many times someone tells you is to 
do the thing yourself. Yeah. And that goes to try, I don't know if this is going to tie in, but it's just the way it's me way my mind works. But when you were saying about the law of attraction, about how, like, put now positively, like someone tell you a million times that by you sort of thinking in your mind positively, 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 you're going to do it, but you're only going to find that truth out when you start actually physically, you trying it yourself, like you trying mm. to sort of imagine in your mind that what you want or imagine something in your life that you want to improve that's the only way you're going to actually see them and, and taste that taste mm-hmm. it does that make sense it's interesting because something very similar happened to us and this was one of me first like this is when me and you first started the podcast I felt like me and you would both had the same type of journey we both we both met in college we both studied sports all the way through our lives we both enjoyed the same things. We both really connected with all of our conversations. We seemed to elevate each other, and that we became really close friends. And we got to a point like, and I never ever told you this, like by the way. So it's good to actually. It's all, so I like seeing things on the podcast which I've never told you before. Yeah, see this all. Can I just jump in? Sorry to cut you no, off, right? But listen to this. I want to tell you a quick story. It was funny as hell because. Um, you know, me and James. Me and James were talking about this other day, right? And we, just, just a quick story off the, off track, but that's on my mind. I think it's funny. So we actually, so we turned up to um, college, and um, <laughs> we t- we arrived to college. Me and um, James, and um, we, obviously we didn't know you at the time. <laughs> and we, there was quite a lot of us from my from my school who went to the went to the college. And we turned up, and there was like obviously this big tall. Dark haired, handsome guy standing there, <laughs> <laughs> all dressed up to the nines and stuff, and um, walked up and he's, he's like, "Hey guys, hey guys." And we, <laughs> we looked at him. We looked at this character and we're like, "Are you the teacher? Are you the teacher?" And you turned around and went, "No, no, I'm in, the, I'm in your class." <laughs> <laughs> I think the tie was a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> tie. <laughs> that was funny as that that one. But uh, oh, we but thought you were the teacher. I love that, brother. I love that. <laughs> hey. Get back on your point again, guys. Like I said, like when we're talking about frequency and stuff like that, because we've been through so much together. I was thinking that me and you must be resonating on the same frequency. We must must be completely vibing in the same area of all walks of life because we, we enjoy the same stuff. With our thought processes are very similar, which I was thinking. And then me and you, we went to this. Um, where is it again? We went to, and we both had our bare feet off, right? And we were recording some videos when we first started out. And you, were, we were running up at. Um, oh, that was a cozy, cozy arch, right? Yeah, cozy arch, right? So I took my feet off, right, and I was running up this th- up the bank, and I was thinking, how many fucking stones are in my fucking feet right now? I was hitting it. I wanted my shoes on at that moment. I was thinking, oh, I mean, I was thinking at that point, me and you are complete opposites in that context, like, yeah. Because I was thinking right now, like, I would love my feet up, right, feet on, um, yeah. my shoes on, right there, like, and I, I knew you were probably loving it in that moment. But then again, I thought of something completely brilliant as well. Like, I completely realised it's like, you know what, me and Dan aren't the same, but I can I can vibe off him. I, I know where he's coming from. Like, I can see how he, he can be connected to Earth like yeah. this. I mean, I don't think I'm. I think I'm like a lot of people in this world. Like, I'm not conditioned to like go outside and run like a marathon right now. Yeah. In the whole context, Th- but this is this is gonna be. I know I like what you said. I like that by the way. And this is it's gonna be a good talk point. What I want to see here because. I recognise that with myself. I recognise that I'm I am a bit different to other people, but as well, I still recognise within myself that I'm still domesticated to a sense. Uh, so, yeah. the, and the reason why I might be trying to do that more and more is because I 
I just I can't I hate conforming I hate I hate the no I hate the normal like in the past I used to just be someone who I mean I never used to like conformity but I used to just do it because I was just at a time in life I was a sheep and I didn't know myself and I was worried about what other people thought but I, to a sense now I try to I try to push that barrier as much as I can so I'll just even if even if even if my feet are killing us I'll still do it I'll yeah. still just because the fact is I want to just keep doing it and there's a story of um so I was away last year right and um I went for this is funny this I don't think I've told you this <laughs> so anyway I went for um I wanted to go for barefoot jogs. I love going for a bit like just barefoot running. Yeah. And obviously, it's always a lot. It's a lot, always a lot easier in a, in a hotter climate because like you do it in this country. Like they have, they have a weekend when I was at lock log log cabin, my feet were absolutely freezing, mm. like absolutely freezing. But I just I knew eventually that it would my feet would be they would just adapt to the cold, and they did. They, they, they honestly did. Mm. And you don't feel them after a while. Your body, your human body is a very adaptable organism. It does adapt. Mm-hmm. But it's just getting over that initial period. It's just like when you jump in a cold shower, you're thinking, "Oh God, this is you can't, I can't do this." But then when you do it, you feel amazing. Your body gets used to it and adapt. But I went anyway. I went for a long uh, run along the coastline. It was a beautiful coastline, and um, I was jogging anyway. And I, I probably I don't know how much it was. Maybe maybe it was three mile one way and three mile back. Anyway, I got three mile in one direction. <laughs> feet, well, like you know, when you when you're running, your adrenaline's going. You don't feel like if you have a pain, like you don't if you get have like an injury or something like that. When your adrenaline's running, you just can't feel the injury or whatever you've got. The cut on your foot. Mm. <laughs> and I was running along this, and I got three mile on, and I knew obviously, no matter how much distance I run, I've got to run back barefoot because I had no shoes. Get get back to the place <laughs> where I was at, and I got three mile on the jog. And I, like, you know, when you like, you go, so you go to a certain point, you head and go right. This is a, this is a decent certain point to run to. Mm-hmm. And I did the turn around. As I did the turn, I changed my angle, my foot, and I noticed that my feet were literally just they were just burst open. Four feet, four feet oh. on the bottoms were literally just bloody, like blood everywhere. And then, you know, as soon as you know it in your head, you know it's there, and it just straight away you can't get out your mind that your feet are bleeding. <laughs> And they were stinging like mad, and I knew I had three miles to run back barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> so, to a sense, I still understand that I am, I am limited because we were too domesticated. Like I know mm. we've, as a human race, we've gone too much the other way, which is a question I know that you asked a while ago. But we've gone too much way because we're domesticated. But I'm trying to go against that. But it's sometimes hard to go against that when, when evolutionary, we've gone too far one way. So you can try and push that to, to a max to a certain degree, yeah. and you can try and wear shoes for so long, but you can it's this you still get like the that the whole setup of that still tests you. I love that, brother. Right. I love that. That's a good point, actually. And I, the, what was coming through my mind there was, um, I wonder if like an animal which has to hibernate during winter, just like we are, we have to hibernate during winter. So we can't we can't live out there now. I mean, just because we can't like go outside in the cold and like survive all night like completely naked that doesn't mean that we're not like a part of this world i mean animals themselves can't exactly just stand out there all night and just like survive so i wonder if if an animal itself like um which hibernates thinks it's getting domesticated well obviously i don't i can't think i can't get in the minds of an animal so like imagine if a bear which has to hibernate goes how domesticated am i like i've got to be in here i'm not a part of this world really yeah Maybe animals to a certain degree, though. Maybe maybe we only have to, in a sense, we're all domesticated because the world's too savage or too strong and powerful for us to be here. I mean, we're all survival instincts. We're all survival traits. Me, you, the dog, like, everything. 
we all just want to survive and we're just trying to do it as comfortably as we can because technically all we really want is comfort yeah all we want is comfort we we secretly don't because we know that without comfort we can like strive we can get more if we go out of our comfort zone but truthfully our bodies just want to be that yeah our bodies just want to lie down and just like just do nothing but it goes back to what you said though I think our bodies like like the dog sitting over there right the dog's just that dog's is domesticated dog completely right if you put that dog back in the wild now it would literally a hawk would come along and just chomp it yeah I don't, I don't think it's white fur is bred for camouflage <laughs> it actually looked at when you said that <laughs> bless her I love her though she's cute but I'm actually thinking though it's I think it's it, it is a fine line what I've noticed because I think it's within that it's within that dog there like that dog's lying there now mm. that it's the comfort that it's down for oh wow that's what I think it is and I think it also could be as well within our own comfort which is our own downfall because I think there is there is a there's no doubt you can't get away from the modern world that we we're domesticated in a certain sense where we where we we're reliant on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. like I said I couldn't I couldn't I can't run. I can't run six miles without my feet bleeding because my feet are just too soft. Yeah. Because I've just been domesticated of all the years. Maybe, but you can. Maybe you can recondition that. Like, I mean, there's certain. Cultures, to a certain point, I think you can recondition cu- something. Of course, I, I mean, there's certain cultures in Africa who who walk bare feet all the time, and they've. Have you seen their hard callus of skin that they have on the feet? So they've just their feet has just evolved, and they have like a hard white callus of. Of skin oh, on the right. feet, no, so no, their no, feet adapted to the, and their feet don't even look like our feet either. So you know how our feet are sort of um, webbed. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is that right word to use? How uh, they're like sort of pointy in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Well, they are is webbed. I can't remember. But anyway, our feet are pointing pointing inwards, like sort of t- where our sort of sh- shoes are being pressing down on our feet. Yeah, their feet are are, are actually literally just not in on a linear position they're actually sort of all pointing out in different directions because they've never had that cast on the feet of the shoe to press the metal tarsals in well, I've lost my train of thought now what was I saying before about the domestication of the dog oh what were we talking about with the yeah, dog? Uh, yeah I was going to say but I think it's in the it's in the in the comfort within us where we can lose touch with that because what I've noticed as well the more that you the more that you do get back trying the, the more that we actually tap into them sort of tribal roots of going outside walking our feet in nature or whatever it is jumping in a lake something like that like back to them sort of the more tribal essence of who we truly are I think that they're the, they're the moments to me that when you do do them are better than the moments of comfort yeah like I actually think that I'd, I'd prefer to there's more you get you gain more, more more satisfaction out of jumping in a lake than you do of watching a movie on the TV that's a really good point man um, I really do think that and as much as I like watching a film on the TV, I think there's a there's a tipping point that we need to. Yeah, yeah, not, not there is neglect. something we we need to address in that. Aspect. Or we, this is what I'm thinking now. Sorry, I'll just no, no, go on. Or we will become. We will become the grey aliens, <laughs> and I'll ask you a question about that in a minute. I've got a question about Definitely, that. Um, <laughs> but then again, like though, Dan, I think I think if me, you, and even the sense the dog, we were all put back in the wild. Um, we'd. Wouldn't take long before the three of us, all like me, you, and the dog, our survival instincts kick in. Like, so I think it's naturally in all of us. In all of us, our natural born instinct is survive. So we do whatever we would to survive. She would, we would, and 
and that is born into us no matter how far we're along with comfort I think past genetics of like going are still in there yeah the past oh, past DNA you can't I don't think you reprogram DNA which is already in there I think you can change your thought processes to a point where you can just really be a f- like an overweight lard ass who just wants to watch TV all day and just do nothing with their life but deep down and that person will have a survival instinct and they will like the animal still yeah still they will want and if they right this is where i'm going to get into the compound effect because i love that damn book um and what they talk about is that you may walk a plank and you may do it with ease but if sorry if you may walk a plank for ten dollars you'd walk over that plank for ten dollars yeah. easy It'd be so easy but if you walk over... Yeah, if the plank was just on the ground, you mean? Yeah, if the plank was just on the ground. But then if you put a, pl- a plank between two skyscrapers and they told you to walk across that, you're not doing you'd it. Change, your, change the game. Exactly. But if, you, if, but if you, your family was in there and that skyscraper was on fire and you had to save them, you would do whatever it takes to get over that plank to do it. So that, that, that what I'm getting to the point is there. Like the, I know what you mean. Is the greater why. The greater why, right, for us is the basic core values of who we are as a person. We've got them. She's got them. Every single person on this planet has the core value. And our core, deepest core value that we have is our own survival. Survival, Which our cells are all trying to survive. Every single part of us is trying to survive right now. We'll do whatever it takes. People actually believe that comfort itself is a form of survival. So they'll get in these comfort states because they think their body needs to harbour this. Body ne- bodies like themselves think that they need to harbour this fat for a survival mechanism because yeah. they think they need to store it Here's a question. for energy. I like that. Here's a question. Is it in the comfort that we... Is it is it in the comfort... Does comfort create technological advances? And what I mean by that is... is because if here's something. If, we, if, if you, you are trying to survive... You haven't got time to try and create an iPhone if you're just trying to survive. But if you, mm. if the civilization becomes more comfortable and more sort of where you don't have to worry, like your, your needs, your, your majority of your needs are taken taken over for you. So like you could just go to the supermarket, you buy your food, or you you've got you, you know tonight you're going to come home and you're going to turn your heating on and your heating you don't have to go and chop chop a tree down mm-hmm. and then uh, make a fire and take your time doing that like physically demanding. So now our brain power is has is has the ability to to separate onto something else to create more technology and maybe that's the maybe that's that's the the push of maybe that's the main thing in society that that's why civilizations do we have we have sort of went to that next level because we've have our most majority of our survival yeah. needs met and we can focus our brain power on well, technologically that is exactly how they're actually said that we've gained um to be where exactly where we are because at first if you look at darwin's theory of evolution we've actually evolved from apes all the way through Neanderthals all the way to to where we are now mm-hmm. from the uh, was it the homeostasis era all uh, the way up to yeah, the yeah, I know what you mean. human to where we are now and they've said that they've only been able to achieve that through the safety of of like protecting ourselves through all that so eventually when we got our core values all set we were we could actually evolve and focus on different things because it all comes down to purpose as well. I mean, if you're not hunting, like right now though, if 
back then we had a purpose like there'd be people going out to hunt there'd be people going out to like to look after the families there'd be blacksmiths whatever there is like everyone had like a set role but right now if you haven't got a purpose i don't think you've got anything in life it's interesting because I, it's, it's. I still think as well, though. I, I, I know what you're saying. I think I still think as well in technology, though. There's something that, within the sense of, like technology is great, but there's something within the technology conversation that we lose. We lose I, touch with something. Like there's a, mm. I, I feel it. There's a there's a balance. That, like it's, it's technology is great, and if anyone's looking at, like where you are now, and like uh, 50 years ago, if someone was looking back at you. Technology is great, mate, but it's it's we we do limit the human, the human experience by bringing up technology so much I mean our eyes are technology just touching technology hearing's technology taste technology if we tap into these the human asp- the human technology this to me far outweighs any laptop any internet yeah because what's going on inside us I believe is far more powerful than a computer yeah here's something though but we always big up the computer and never big up ourselves yeah. we never touch on our human technology Here, here's something though right um, do you this this is a, a question I'm asking myself so what you were saying before how like the most of this conversation we've been talking about is that how evolutionary we've always as a human there's no doubt we're seeing compared to what we used to be and you compared to what we used to be would we recognise that we're becoming domesticated to a certain degree yeah but what is the next stage of that? What is the next stage of our domestication? Because technology's heading this direction now where it's constantly going to keep going and keep going. Like there's no stopping this momentum now that we're on now. There's not a chance that we're going to stop this. Because mm. even if a thousand people go back in their sort of more tribal essence and start living off grid and stuff like that, there's still going to be a thousand people who are going to still push on technologically and still keep advancing in all of the, all these different areas. Mm-hmm. But what is the next level of human? What is the next level of that domestication? And this is what I'm going to propose to you now. I've got an answer. And it ties back to how we start this conversation as well. I've got an answer, but I don't think you'll like it. <laughs> is the next level of domestic... Homer Simpson. <laughs> is the next level of domestication grey aliens? And that's right out there. Like, are we going to become a grey alien? And what I explain by that is that... So there's people talking about now how... We've talk, I think we've talked about this in the podcast before. You know how our fingers are growing longer because we're using... Um, <coughs> like, technology while we're constantly like little our alien fingers are getting longer and longer because we're constantly pressing on keyboards so our our fingers are growing longer now there's scientists talking about that and then obviously we're going to be we're not going to use our bodies as much so our bodies are going to become skinnier and thinner and we're not going to be in the sun as much because we're going to be we're all going to be tied up to VR machines so our bodies are going to turn to are going to turn to grey it's it's going to be down and away from the sun our heads are going to grow bigger because um we're gonna like have no. Our eyes are gonna be wider and brighter. All, yeah, all our, our eyes are gonna be bigger and they're gonna go big and black. Are we becoming the grey aliens? Have, that could be. Is that man. the next stage of domestication? Like that, that could very well be. <laughs> 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 but then again, I think, um, you know, if we're talking about the evolution, because there's two different ways I was going to answer that, and you answered it through how our evolution changes, our physical yeah. evolution changes, but I was thinking mental how our mental evolutionary changes mm-hmm. the more domesticated we get and I think we're going to end up just like that dog I think we're just going to be at the point where we just we accept our reality we accept comfort as our king We ex- and all we want is to just the simplest pleasures of just we have no no idea of the outer world we've, we've lost all context on that because who cares once, once if you've got everything 
like that dog has yeah like it's getting love it's getting like food water it's getting like to see people it's getting its walks it's exercise basically I think it's I think the dog itself has just accepted this role and it's just become a point now where it's just it kind of enjoys it I think it enjoys being domesticated yeah and I think we're going to enjoy being domesticated because we're already getting in that process where we're enjoying, oh, I can't wait to just go home and chill. That, to me, is now being to the point where we're accepting the domestication. So we're, technically, I don't think we're that far away from being just that simplistic like, I've got, dog, I've got animal. Two thi- I've got two things. One, one I think that how long we will enjoy that domestication for because I still think there's a point within the human psyche where... We do like comfort, but there's still a something in there, still that that knows deep within that you need you need challenge, you need strife, you need to. But imagine telling you need to be stripped away. You need to be stripped yeah. away from the comforts. I understand completely. There's something there's something within the human experience that 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 is the that that's what you meant. That's the game. Like the, the game isn't having the comfort because you can have the comfort for so long. The game is itself is actually being in the struggle mode and. Like I agree. trying to fight, fight your way out of the bag. Like once you're out of the Peter, but imagine fighting through a Peter bag. Here's an example: you have a Peter bag, and you're trying to fight through the Peter bag, and then you burst through the Peter bag, and there's nothing else to burst through. Mm-hmm. Like you, you eventually you'd want to be back. You'd put yourself back in the Peter bag. True, <laughs> that's an interesting point. But and I think deep within that, I think that's in all species. I think that's in all animals. Eventually, do you think more people would, if you could give them a choice of being? Here's something quickly to have for the point. Here's something, look, a perfect example the dog. If you give that dog an opportunity, maybe 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 not the dog because the dog's trained, but if the dog wasn't trained, maybe another sort of animal. There's lots of animals that are domesticated. Here's an example a tiger, tiger in a zoo. Mm-hmm. That tiger is living in a conformity of a cage. And I guess it, 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 in that moment, it's loving everything. It gets its food, hand on a plate, it has everything, it has another mate. It has everything and that it's basic, all its basic needs are looked after. Mm. But if you open that cage, the tiger would run out of that cage before you could even say the word anything. That's a good point. That's a really it good would. point. And I, th- and, I th- and, I still, and I honestly think inherently that's in within all of us. But then again, I don't think the tiger's not being domesticated through like love like um, animals have been. Like we can go up to a dog and pet it give it a hug kiss it even yeah can't do that with a tiger some people do <laughs> well, some people do and that tiger might love it that tiger might think it's amazing I mean but then I think if you ask people right now if you ask people what would they want in life would they want to be the wolf hunt, going out there hunting or would they want to be the domesticated dog that just gets its food given but ends up being like snuggling into the um a bed, a bed all day and just like chilling and just like having that exercise in the morning exercise in the afternoon it's a little comfortable lifestyle how many people do you think will see a wolf compared to like the domesticated dog because I think more people I'd at this the, point would get that's the domesticated dog I, the, I do as well I, I think they would and I think a lot of people right a lot of people like me and you would be like living like life freedom outside as the wolf being the alpha the strong wolf like the ferocity inside would feel that fire would would like test ourselves to the limit of being that wolf well a lot of people like look at a dog and go oh man you're so lucky you just gotta be in here all day you're gonna be in bed you gotta live it up <laughs> you, you go for your walks 
I want to be a dog in my next Fed life. three times a day. Exactly. A lot of people are now starting to, we're actually starting to get in the process of wanting to be like domesticated just like an animal. And that's, and it, you know, when we're talking about being a grey alien, we're already an alien because we're an alien to this planet because we're already domesticated to a sense where we, we don't even like going outside. Yeah. We don't even like going outside. It's how how disconnected, domesticated can we get from the planet if we don't even like going outside? Here's, this is out, out there, right? But what if, right? We're always out there. Yeah. What if, what here's Except when we're in here. What if? What if? <laughs> So here's this is going out there, man. But this is so so what? What if right the grey aliens are us in the future? So the grey aliens are actually us, but they're coming back to us and they're trying to. The message that they're trying to tell us is that on the other side of where you're heading technologically isn't the place you want to go. Like we actually envy you. Like we the the period that you're at now, we envy you because you still like biologically you can still you're in this beautiful part of paradise where you can technologically taste. You can do a podcast like we're doing now. You can go on the internet. You can search any bit of information. You can play on computer games. You can do all this stuff. But you've also still you can also still step outside with your bare feet and touch the ground and or jump, li- or lift jump a, a weight puddle. and feel the body. Yeah, move. feel the body and actually feel the whole sensation of what it feels like to lift a heavy deadlift off the floor. That is an amazing feeling. Or as well. dance, or dance, or just express yourself and just go to a festival and take a deep breath. Listen to technological music, but also move your body in this beautiful way. That is uh, that to me is why mate human technology, this feeling of like what you everything you've expressed there in your, what you just said is the ultimate technology. We don't need a laptop. We don't. I know I said it before. I think like we might need to merge with the technology, but I think just as well as like I said before, if you strip away all the technology, we'd be completely fine. We'll get to the point where we could just live as a community again, just like our ancestors, and still be happy. We think. We thinking right now that we need technology. Without our technology, we won't be happy. It's just because we've been domesticated with it now. Here's a question, right? It's a good conversation, this, by the way. But here's a question as well. It perfectly ties in and well thinking about, right? Here's some, right? How, how do you think? It, just imagine if a time. It's, it's, let's say a time traveler from sort of a, um, our sort of prehistoric past, sort of just popped up on Earth now in a time machine. Mm-hmm. How do you think that, that would that prehistoric time traveller would actually assess the way that we live our lives now and our future product, uh, prospects of sort of where we're heading? Um, well, I've actually looked into this and I've been thinking a lot about like what a time traveller would actually think if he got to this point and he's seen the past, he's seen the future, but he comes right here right now and he actually looks at us and he tells us the truth. He goes, this is what's going to happen. Technology will be a downfall. Nuclear bombs will destroy the planet. So you should disarm right all your nuclear bombs right now. The internet is going to completely destroy all your financial money. It's just going to melt. You're going to think you're going to have loads of money, but it's going to be all completely wiped off. You're going to you're going to have nothing. The whole world's going to be in a complete chaos if you continue with this. You know what will happen? Nothing. We continue with this. <laughs> we continue doing this. But uh, I was thinking as well. I, I well, here's something. What would what would make that change though? What would 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 there be anything? Can you think of anything now? I don't know. I'm just even hindsight, it. mate. Would there be anything us. that that would change that? Would there nah. be any a wake up call for humanity? I'm trying to think if there would be one. I don't think there can now, then. 
I don't. I, th- I think we've reached a point now where it's already sort of a flock of salmon heading towards that net. I feel like not to put a damp damp um, damp spin on it, but I think right now I think we have to use. I think we we are connected, air quotes as well, connected to the point where the internet is life. The internet has created its own its own life. Its I, own I, life actually, I think I think it's let's say a time traveler came in the room. I think there would actually be there'd be complete there would be first of all they would be realistic they would be completely overwhelmed so I don't think they, would, they wouldn't really have that com- oh, like I said if he's went to the future yeah, yeah. and came back let's say but I'm saying well, let's say like a, a time traveller from our prehistoric past I don't know how that would work because <laughs> I don't know how they'd have a time machine to start off with because they're not <laughs> advanced as we are now we, we haven't got a time machine supposedly <laughs> but anyway it's just theoretical <laughs> So anyway, just say a prehistoric time time traveler came in the room. Now using his um, using um, what did he use? He's he's his Fred Flintstone time machine. Yeah, Fred Flintstone time machine. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would look at our iPhones and things like that, and he would be. He would, I think it, it would, to to them it would look like a magic trick. It would look something so incredible. It would be so amazed. It would be. It'd be it would be something so sort of startling for their their reality they wouldn't I don't think they would be able to comprehend it but they would, initially they would be looking at looking at that P- iPhone and they'd be like oh and I think over time they would they would adjust to it and stuff like that mm. but I, I still I think it goes back to the middle of this conversation what we're saying about how within that he would still want to go back to just the time period that he come from he would just I think he would just want to be the guy who's sort of with his bow and arrow shooting things that's a good point actually man yeah I, yeah, I still think he would yeah because I don't think he can get domesticated because I don't think he's pro- been uh, in the programme too long I don't think like, I said, like you said Dan I think he would love to be just back home here's an interesting thing Dan I found an American man right he woke up from a coma after 20 years right and the first thing he said was mum Mom. Hi, interesting, isn't it? Mom. His mum was sitting there. What was the second word? Take a guess. Oof, second word. So his first word is mom. Mom. The universal symbol for one and um. His second word was. Oh, come. <laughs> his second word was Pepsi. Pepsi. After twenty years, right? You walk out of coma. His first words was "Mom, Pepsi." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story. When I heard that Pepsi. That's probably a good place to leave it on as well. Yeah, there definitely is. By the way, man. Before we're actually wrapping this up, I had one more thing I wanted to write down, which I was actually thinking off the top of my head. One thing I had, and it was this: Can one simple decision, right? Because, like I said, I've been listening to Compound Effect and, and I'm really fascinated with it. Mm-hmm. And it always talks about neurological connections through decisions. So I, what the book indicates, it says, even if you make one conscious decision wrong, it can completely change your neurological process forever. Mm-hmm. Completely derail it. So I'm thinking, can one simple decision and or act, like not doing the dishes or something or not doing that podcast work or even like not applying to that job offer whatever it is can that one simple decision neurologically change the aspect of the mind Mm -hmm. 
definitely. I think there's a balance. Here's something that's, I don't know. How, this might. I'm going to try and answer this a bit differently. But I think what I'm recognising when you say that question, I think there's a there's a there's a dance between the two worlds, because I think first you've got to recognise what is actually important to you, because within that dance between them two worlds of, like I said, you could you could take that for you could you could also take that angle for everything in life. So no matter what whatever whatever you whatever sort of thing that you use task you see in front of you mm. you just think automatically you just got to do it you've just got to do the task you've got to just keep doing the task like no matter what it is without actually asking yourself is this a, is this task or the thing that i'm going to do actually going to really be value me time mm. because you can i mean i'm looking around at the world now and i say this a lot of times people people are filling their life up with absolute shit like people have, and I, I was doing it and I, I'm going through a process now where I'm trying to pinpoint of what's it, what is really important to us mm. so you can have you can neurologically you can do every single task and have all these tasks done and done and done and done completely whatever task you do like think if I don't do this task is this going to help us but it, I think it's actually about picking the right tasks because I think you've, you've only mm. got so much time in the day you've only got so much mental capability like if you've got to, you've got to think about this conversation that tasks are like data in the mind like mm. you know you've got a task to do in your head it's, it's you know you know us as a human being we cannot you cannot store too much in your mind like before you get distracted there's look at the distractions in the world now so mm-hmm. you've got to actually filter a, a system in your mind where you you actually really pick which tasks are going to be helping for you and then the, and then the tasks that you do pick then do them yeah. then do them tasks that's a really Does that good make point sense? yeah it's a good point and um yeah, sorry, T. Harvecker, he had an interesting point when he talks about money and the financial aspect of, like, the frequency it can actually generate. But then he talks about, like, the only way he could really get to the point where he can understand, like, understand everything is by doing what he said he was going to do. So if you made a neurological connection, right, you know what, right now I'm going to go home and I'm going to work out. But if you don't work out, that decision, I think will impact your completely change your neurological process in your mind because you because you if you don't act on your own integrity or your own word then I think it, then I don't think you've got anything here's something right this is probably going to this is probably going to our tangent this right but it doesn't matter anyway listen, listen to this two things so there's a quote as well tying to that it says and always remember this it says judge a, judge a man or it says judge a man but you said judge a man or a woman mm-hmm by his actions, not his words. And that ties into what you're saying because it there's a word, right? I can't remember what culture it's from. It's called nescience, I think it is. But basically what nescience means, it means sort of doing something even though it's wrong or not doing something even though you need to do it. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what it means. And I think that what I've noticed in my life is that because you know you've you've gained this information. Here's an example of food. I've thought about. I've played with this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. This might be. This might not even be in relation to what you're saying, but it's just you know when you sort of say something. No, it's, it's interesting because food's something that's really it saves me mind. Anyway, listen to this. I'll try and get this across. Cause it's hard to try and portray this across what I mean. Food's a big one for me. But here's something. Just say that you eat a piece of food. So you so you know that. So you know. So I know that pizza's bad. Mm-hmm. I know that pizza's bad. But there was a time in my life where I didn't know pizza was bad, so the f- I just ate that pizza, and the meaning behind of not of the, the whole essence behind me knowing that food's bad isn't really sitting with inside of my sort of my subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. But now the fact that I know it's bad and I'm eating it, 
psychologically, I think the fact that you know it's bad does something worse at your body, does something worse to your, your neurons in your body. It's hard to explain that. No, no, I understand. I think it's, but then it comes down to what I think, Dan, I think it comes down to the placebo effect. Because if, if I told you that food's bad and it really it's good, yeah. I think you would treat that. Oh, I think you would treat that. I think your neurological processes would automatically kick in and you would think that food's bad. So your body would start acting like that food was bad. You start, oh, I feel a bit sick now. Even though that food could be completely nutrient dense, vitamin dense, and you could have been, even though, like, I could take the same thing and I could be feeling absolutely amazing. Yeah, but what I'm, what I'm saying though is to go a bit deeper, there's something neurologically you can't trick. Like you can trick, you, like you said, you know that you need to do a task, but then you're just like, ah, oh, no, I'll do it tomorrow. But there's something neurologically you can't trick. Like when you say, it's hard to explain this, it's hard to really explain it, but there's just something within us all that that ties into that, what I was saying before about that nescience of where you can, you know the information and you can't, you can only go go against that for so long because neurologically deep down there's something with inside that knows that you're mm-hmm. you're neglecting it. It's hard. It's hard to explain it. It's, it's hard no, to explain no, it. Can, but it, it, that goes point. for food. It goes for it, like information. Knowing that you should, you know, you've got the information in your mind. You know, you should be making better choice in your life. Yeah. But you just keep going against it. You keep going against it. But there's something neurological that we can't you can't get away with. And mm-hmm. it, and 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 now it actually. It makes it worse that you know the information. Like at one time in your life, when you I was thinking that didn't today, know the information, honest. you were just sort of being what's what's the word? Sort of just unaware. That's the word. So when you just when you're completely unaware, when you become aware and you're still going against what you know, there's something that you logically sort of. I can't think of the word. You logically sort of just disconnect. I don't know, it's not disconnect, neurologically sort of... It's detriment to basically, you. What, basically what I'm seeing is that it's hard to explain this point because it really is an observing a thought I've had, had a lot. No, I've had but it loads it, recently. But it's basically just sort of... Here's something, here's an example. There's there's like people who smoke for like 70, 80 years mm-hmm. and they don't, they, they have no reference point in the mind that that's bad. Because they're just they're so lost within the smoke and that they're just doing it anyway. They don't care about the circumstances. They don't care about the health, but they don't worry about the health to the degree where it creates that neurological response in the body. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, so, yeah, I understand that. And, but and I think when you become aware of it and when you're still doing the thing, it makes the, it makes the challenge even harder for you as a human being. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I've noticed. You're creating like you th- like. I'd rather be that. I'd rather be that and knowing that something's wrong mm-hmm. and have that have that sort of compass mm-hmm. to sort of measure what's right and what's wrong. But there's there's more challenges within the game that come when you do know what's wrong. Because in yeah yeah we're, we're constantly being hit mm-hmm. with stuff all the time. We're constantly being hit with challenges. Where in the past you wouldn't have seen them as challenges. You would have just picked up the pizza and ate the pizza. But now you have a sort of a reference point or a bit of information in your mind where you know that's wrong. And then there's something neurological that sort of that it's hard it's not I can't think of the word because language can't describe that see I can go into the, do you understand what I mean though what I I'm trying exactly, to get across I know exactly what you mean you need that reference point there to like to guide you to make the right decisions and because that information you've got it you've achieved it you've listened to it you've taken it in because you've got it you can go well no sugar causes this this and this yeah. and this and you can take the right route so obviously we can't just live our lives blissfully unaware in hope air quotes again that we can actually just be fine in life because we can't. We need to educate our minds, bodies and spirit 
to the to the point where we can just live really live and i'm not talking about just living how every how tv tells us to live like if you're feeling unwell take this pill nah or if you if you wanted like a taste of a real refreshment drink this coke nah really just look inside and then just think do i need that do i need that do i shit yeah the truth is what, my, what is my version of living not someone else's exactly version of living that's being put in a package and packaged up exactly that's probably a good place to wrap it up as well so and I've got another point by the way no I'm joking <laughs> <Come on. laughs> wrap it up keep that for next time exactly brother it's going to be loads more of these anyway peace and love peace thanks so much for listening to the podcast I really hope you enjoyed that observing our thoughts episode and if you feel that these conversations do add value to your life the best way that you can help us out and support the podcast is through our Patreon page we really want to keep bringing you the best of the podcast we can and with your help through our Patreon page we'll be able to do more in-person podcast conversations and just in general give us more backing to really ramp up this mission. And the power really is in your hands. Like I said earlier in the intro that we do live in a time where we have the ability now to choose and put our attention and support projects and podcasts that you want to see more of and as you know we've never bombarded you with shitty advertisements or products just like everyone else is doing and also as well in return when you support the podcast there is a private patreon page and a community where you will gain access to lots more bonus conversations and runs from the podcast and no matter what amount that you choose to support the podcast you will gain access to all the bonus conversations and all the patreon rewards on that page and we've also as well just added a new reward to that Patreon page as well that you will gain access to when you become a, a Patreon supporter. And it basically will give you the ability to ask any questions that you want. And what we're going to do is we're going to start discussing and attacking these on the up and coming Observing Our Thoughts episode, which I think will be really so cool. You'll also get to hear your questions answered in real time on the podcast. So if all this does tickle your fancy, please head to www.patreon slash ascend and support the podcast. And just as well as added a little bonus, I'm going to play this podcast out of a little song that sort of suits this conversation that me and Chris were having. And it's by a guy who is actually from the UK as well, and he's called Natty. And the song is called Seasons Change. So enjoy, and we'll catch you next week in the next one. Peace. There's a new breeze, I can feel a change coming in the air The leaves are on the ground, but summer's only just appeared As I look to the sky, the sun got a different kind of glare When I look into the eyes of the youth, I see no more fear Meanwhile, my baby, she carries my baby for nine. Means I got a full heart on this mother for life. I change, you change, they changing, world changing, things moving forward, things rearranging. We hope going get better, but mostly the same thing. Well, at the same string, money on bling bling, violence on bunting, the clock bell a ring ring. Brothers get rock up and sing sing, oh what you sing sing? On the calabash, mother raga, see me sing sing. From Jaja town, now the bingy drum pinching, steady like a rock and no lie and no joke thing. Electric like a shark and a laughing ting ting. From we tried in a Babylon, we are warriors. Change don't come. 
Solomon From creation forward I come In sight from the light of the sun I want Rastaman Dadadam Everywhere where we go We see it in the windows of the soul Of the people that we meet out on the road A new day is on the horizon Remember change won't come in a day 